You're listening to the Beaver Tales Podcast, which features exclusive interviews with former Oregon State student-athletes. We talk about what they did at OSU, what the transition was like away from college athletics, and what they're passionate about now. Here's a little taste of what's coming up on this episode. And obviously I went to OSU for a reason. I had teammates who depended on me. They believed in me, and I got a lot of encouragement from those guys. And that's one of the reasons why I decided to stick it out, because... Like I felt like I owed it to them as teammates, and I wanted to be with them. This is the Beaver Tales Podcast with Josh Warden, who has covered Oregon State Athletics since 2013. Welcome back to the Beaver Tales Podcast, everybody. I am Josh Warden, and I'm joined by my fellow Josh on this podcast. Josh Legrone joins me from Reno, Nevada. Hopefully you heard his brother on this podcast recently, Matt Legrone, who was a starting defensive end for Oregon State in 2009. Josh Legrone was a safety for Oregon State around that same time span. Had a pretty interesting Oregon State career. It was riddled with injuries. He had torn his ACL in high school, tore it again at OSU, came back from a retirement, retired again, and ultimately moved on. He shared some information I didn't, I didn't even know about trying to transfer and play at a different program. Afterwards, you'll hear that in the podcast. Last I talked to him, I did this whole Where Are They Now article on both Matt and Josh about five years ago when I was still writing for the Barometer newspaper. And at the time, Josh was a law enforcement officer. He was a physical trainer and doing a couple other things. He was married with one kid. Since then, he's gone over the place. He went to San Diego to become a head football coach at a high school there. He got a job back in Nevada, lost the job because of COVID. He's no longer in law enforcement. But at the time, when I talked to him five years ago, he said, I want to open a gym one day. I want to own a gym. That's my goal. And in 2020, because of some problems he had, he also reached that goal. You'll see how the issues ultimately led to um, reaching a dream of his. And so that was pretty cool to see that come to fruition, something he had told me about five years ago. And it's now become reality. So he does own his own gym in Reno, Nevada, called Strength Society is the name of it. And uh, doing some other things as well. Married with three kids now. So he's been active since I talked to him, adding two more to the Legrone family. You'll learn all about the rest of his story and what cool things Josh Legrone is doing now. Just a really fun guy, a lot of life lessons and things he's learned throughout the whole process. Here is former Oregon State safety from Reno, Nevada, Josh Legrone. Josh, how you doing today? Doing good. Get to get to be on here and get to you know share a little of where I'm at. So I'm good. Tell me a, a brief synopsis. We'll come back chronologically, but just a quick snapshot of what 2021 looks like for you and your nucleus of the Legrone family. Uh, for me, it's it's uh, running my business. So I own a gym called Strength Society in Reno, Nevada, um, and our basis right now is just growing that, um, becoming more of a presence of what we do and what's been missing or what I feel in the fitness industry is, and that's authenticity. So um, bringing that from our gym with how we do it, the culture we have sta- we've established and just continue to get stronger as a family. It was pretty cool when I talked to you in 2015, 2016, whenever we did that first, you know, where are they now article when I was writing for the barometer, I remember you saying, yeah, one day I want to open a gym. And that, that dream became a reality last year. T- tell me about the factors that, came into play that led into actually being able to open a gym? So it kind of just fell into my lap. Um, my wife and I, we moved to San Diego back in 2018. 
um, and I got a job offer and we moved back uh, in December, or I'm sorry, February 2020. And so I was working for a gym. Six weeks later, COVID shut everything down. So I lost my job. Um, so at the time we're shuffling, do we move back to San Diego? Do I go back to law enforcement? Um, and the gym that I was working at, the guy actually was going to shut it down. So I made an offer to just kind of buy the equipment and see where it goes. Ended up me owning a gym uh, this past August in 2020. So I started a business during a pandemic. Um, not many members, but we're doing great now. A uh, bit of a risk that I took, but I'm enjoying it. Yeah. How did you even have the confidence to say, you know what, things are crazy, I lost my job, and instead of kind of pulling back to the safe decision, I'm just going to go all out and go for it. Like, <laughs> How did you get the strength to do that? Man, um, honestly, my reliance on God just, just kept me knowing that, you know, um, if obviously he put it on my heart five years ago during our first interview, um, and I trust, I trust him. And so I relied on that, sat down and talked with my wife. Um, and just was like, you know what, what's the worst that could happen? You know, if anything, if it fails, we have a bunch of equipment that that is people are buying for top dollar right now that we could sell off or whatever. But it just came down to just believing in, believing in myself. You know, I'm, I'm a go-getter. Just go for it. Yeah, and, and to know that it probably would not have happened had you not come back to Reno and then lost right. your job. Like the, the, yeah. the problem created the solution in a sense. Exactly. Um, it's interesting to always ask people what their convictions are, what they want to do, what their goals are. It's another thing to ask how you know that. Like, how how do you know that is your conviction and you know this is the thing? So you had already kind of had that conviction five years ago. Mm-hmm. I want to open the gym. That that's in the in the vision. I maybe don't know when or what that looks like, but that was the 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 end goal. Kind of. How did you know that was the thing? Specifically, owning a gym. How did you come to realize that was the thing for you? Uh, timing. Although, you know, the, the risk of opening a business that was, you know, they had recently just been shut down during COVID, but knowing, you know what, I've, I've gone, I've got a master's degree in exercise science. I've got a ton of people asking me to train them online. I've got already had got a following from the six weeks of me just working at a different gym. Why not take what I've already established? and build it up even more through learning how to run a business. And that's one of the the biggest things for me was just learn how to run a business, you know, social media, taxes, all of these kind of things that are behind the scenes that nobody really sees. Um, so it was just accepting the challenge that I'd never taken on before, um, knowing that at one point it was a dream. You, you, you don't get your, uh, the opportunity to reach your dream so many times or so. I saw the opportunity, I took it and I'm running with it now. You're pretty well versed in the training side of things and, and knowing just the actual physique and, and exercises to help someone rehab or get stronger or whatever their goals are. So that's one thing to work at a gym. It's another thing to own a gym. Now you're including a whole lot of business sort of stuff that, uh, what sort of things have you learned or needed to learn in the past, you know, six months or so since you started owning a gym, uh, that you had some background in and you worked at a gym, but what have you realized? Oh, I got to improve in this area. I got to do this thing. What, what have you learned? Uh, definitely budgeting and marketing. Um, I'm, I'm far removed from my playing days. So my, my name doesn't really ring a lot of bells as far as, hey, come train with Josh DeGroen, the former D1 athlete. No, it's, it's more so of what are clients looking for? 
who am I marketing to? Um, and what kind of culture do I want to attract? So learning, you know, how to get the people that in my gym to create the culture that I want. Um, cause I'm picky. Um, I, I know what can do I want to train. It's, it's the high school athletes. It's those who compete in the sport of weightlifting. Um, it's those who in the general population who need, um, an outlet to, to create and build new habits from sitting at a computer all day. Um, so being able to hit all those facets, market to those individuals, um, and find a way to retain them in my gym. Cause there's so many options when it comes to going to a gym, you know, making sure that I build relationships with these people. I make sure that they're, they're comfortable, but also uncomfortable with their, their building process. Um, nobody gets better by being comfortable. So, um, budgeting and marketing and then budget, budgeting is a whole different story. It's, <laughs> you start with money in the pot, you see that money dwindle, you lose clients, you see it dwindle more. And you got to learn to keep your cool and just put money in the right places um, so that the business thrives. Because ultimately, it's it's uh, it's my family's well-being, depending on how well I run the business. So, You had said earlier you want your gym to be known for authenticity. That's kind of the main thing. What does that look like for a gym, for, for it to either be not authentic, like what, what the pitfalls could be if you don't do that well, versus what actually it looks like if you're really fulfilling that and being authentic? What does that look like? Right. Um, a lot of a lot of the uh, social media presence is saturated with just uh, promises. Do this. You can lose 30 pounds in 30 days. Try this. You You know? all these kind of fads that fade in and out, this diet, that diet, this, whatever. Um, we, we build our basis on solid movement, learning how to use the proper muscles in the proper patterns to move. And then from there, um, learning to resistance train, whether that be squat, deadlift, clean. Um, and then from there, building each week through training blocks. Um, and what this tra- these what these training blocks gives us the ability to do is to build a solid platform to progress. Um, and again, this takes a longer time to present aesthetics when you do it the proper way. But at the end of the day, you you live a healthier life, you have better function of your cells, you have better rest, all kinds of things that go into um, properly loaded and dosed uh, resistance training. So Every gym has a sort of culture. You can go to a gym and it's got like, the same 12 big beefy 30 year olds who are there yeah. other times it's like hey you've got a lot of elderly people who are just there to stay fit you've got a mix of gender and, and age and neither one's right or wrong necessarily they're right. just very different what, what's the culture in your gym our, our gym is that we we uh i've coined the term no nonsense because i don't care what you do who you are when you come into this gym you're going to get it in a no-nonsense way, I'm not going to sell you some dream of, like I said, you're going to lose 30 pounds in 30 days just to get you to sign your name on the contract. No, it's, hey, this is where you're starting. I'm going to put you through an assessment. I'm going to then evaluate that assessment and put you where you need to be as far as getting you to move better as a human being. Um, so we, we have a no-nonsense approach with our high school athletes, with our stay-at-home moms, with our 50-something-year-old close-to-retirement individuals. Everybody um, needs to know and be able to function at at a proper movement level to just live life, man. Yeah. I know that um, it's been a while since you were in law enforcement. That's kind of a, a past chapter of your life, it seems. But I'm sure there's a lot of 
things you learned through that stage, things you saw that have stuck with you? I remember one of the comments you made when you were both doing some training and working in law enforcement is that you're working and you're training with people who are bettering themselves. They're there to, to improve themselves and work hard, and you interact with people as a law enforcement officer where they're in their worst moments. They're, they've just made a decision they're going to regret. And, and yeah. you, know, you, you get a very big disparity between the people you're, you're seeing on a day-to-day basis. Even though you haven't been working in law enforcement for a while now, what did you take away from that, the realizations of what your community is like, the people you interact with, and how it changed and shaped you as a person? Um, I, I, I took away that same thing as you just stated. When people come in the gym, um, whether it be 5 a.m. or 7 p.m., they still have stress that they have to deal with. Maybe it's not getting a ticket or getting, you know, arrested back when I was in law enforcement, but they're still dealing with family stress, work stress. Again, we're in a pandemic. Um, that stress doesn't go away, but you have to be able to communicate with people <clears throat> why they're there, um, remind them of what they're doing and the purpose of why they're doing it. Um, the gym for a lot of people is like a sanctuary. They come to release all that stress. And the more stress you carry with you, um, the less likely you are able to perform as well as you want to. Um, so for me, what law enforcement mainly taught me was patience. Patience and really asking the right question. Um, not, you know, the simple, how are you today? You know, no, it's how are your kids doing? Why are you feeling this way? You know, just things to to dig deeper than the surface level to get people to really build the, those relationships and uh, respond in the proper way to the the training that they're receiving. Mm. So you, you learn those questions as an officer and then you even take them now at training, helping at the gym, that sort of thing? Definitely, yeah. It, mm. it, it all goes hand in hand. Working with people is working with people. Um, and if you... And if you're taking stress off them one way, they're getting it from another area. And the best way to, to help them is to actually get to know people. And that's what I've been able to do in both law enforcement and in training and coaching people. Just get to know people. You know, don't just do your job, but do do better. Do better. So. One of the things that has impressed me most about the Legrone family with Matt doing Gosh, he's got his snake breeding business. He's got the car <laughs> detailing business. He's the, the military thing as a recruiter. He's yeah. a pastor. He's a, a father, a husband. I'm probably forgetting another job or two that he has. <laughs> You've been in law enforcement, training, owning a gym, teaching. You were head football coach, just doing mm-hmm. everything. And that's, I only know two of the brothers and there's what, three more brothers <laughs> besides you there's two. So yeah. I bet there's 20 different careers that we haven't even covered oh, yeah. yet between all of you. At one point, I think all five of you were coaching football at the same high school. One of you is the head yep. coach. I think you were like the D mm-hmm. coordinator. Matt was the D coordinator just all across yeah, no, the coaching Matt, team. Yeah, we were, we were doing all of it. We were doing it all. Yeah. <laughs> just dominating high, mm-hmm. high school, just across the whole yeah. staff. Uh, so you just do everything. For one of the things, so Matt's now obviously a pastor. He got ordained. We were talking about this at age 13 is when he first got Mm -hmm. ordained. You got ordained at 17, which is very young. But my question is, what took you so long? That's four years later. (laughs) Man, Matt's a little bit more bold and outspoken than I am. Um, He, I mean, we come from, we come from a neighborhood and from a culture of, you know, you got to speak up and do what you need to do to get where you want to be. Um, but me being the second youngest of five, you know, I got, I got to watch my older brothers do a lot of the talking. I did a lot of the observing. So a lot of the times I'm, I'm a, a step or two behind them, but we all, we're all encouraging each other to, again, succeed, succeed and push. 
Yeah, that that may be late relatively, but uh, seventeen is still still impressive. So, yeah, pretty young. That's, <laughs> that's good. So you at seventeen. So a year later is when you came to Oregon State playing running back. You had already torn your ACL once in high school. We kind of relived mm-hmm. the story with Matt's podcast of taking out the quarterback and just trying to attack the whole team after you get yeah. undercut by a DB. You come to Oregon State, you, you kind of get healthy, you end up tearing the ACL a second time, you retire, come back, and there's a whole bunch of you know ups and downs and all that. Yeah. You probably remember it better than I do. What's your kind of synopsis when you think back to Oregon State, the, the main moments that you remember most and what that was like from your time at, at Oregon State? How would you kind of summarize what that was like? Uh, man, there's, there's not a moment when I was in Corvallis that I was not experiencing some kind of controversy, but at the same time, it was another mountain to climb. Um, that second ACL tear was devastating. I remember calling my parents and like, hey, I tore my ACL again. And this is literally, I want to say eight or nine days before we opened up with UNLV. Um, I'm in the, the starting rotation with a couple other safeties. Things are looking great. I'm a redshirt freshman, and boom, um, my legs go from up to me again. And that that year off uh, rehabbing, I learned a lot, um, obviously about football, about the defense, but also about, about myself as a person um, and what it takes to rebound from your dream being cut up under you, not once but twice. Um, and so as I got, got going more with football, I mean – things got slower for me as far as my performance and my production. And that's not a knock on anybody who, you know, I dealt with as far as performance-wise, but it just mentally I wasn't the same. Um, I didn't believe and trust in my leg as much as I did prior to that. Um, and so for me, it took a lot to just kind of stick with it, um, knowing that I wouldn't get much playing time because of afterward this big old knee brace at the time. And then even after the knee brace came off, I, I mean, OSU is no chump. We we had some good safeties coming in. I mean, even the young guys, we had some great young guys coming in up under me. And here I am getting out of a knee brace and trying to rehab from it and get my mental back right. But uh, things just didn't click the way they used to. Um, and so from there, it was kind of just transitioning. What's next? And that what's next moment, I don't think really hit me until last year. <laughs> You know, because, you know, football never football never leaves you. I mean, there's still times where I, I, I watch it and I'm like, man, I miss I miss this game extremely. Um, but I think the, the perseverance that I was able to grow from and through while being in Corvallis um, has shaped me into who I am today. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, that second ACL tear – was before your medical retirement, but not before you came back and then retired again? Is that how the timeline worked out? So what happened, I tore my ACL. Um, the doctor who did my surgery, um, he actually told me, you should retire because your knee is so bad, you'll most likely need a knee replacement by the time you're 30. Um, that's how bad my knee was when they went in and did the procedure. And so for a 20-year-old, I was like, wait, what? Like 30 is only 10 years away. That's still fairly young. What do you mean I'm going to need a knee replacement by the time I'm 30? So I sat down and talked with Coach Riley. And the retirement wasn't necessarily a retirement. It was more so of a let's give it a thought. And so, yeah, I, obviously I, I came back. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was more so of 
can I continue to play at this level? And this is something that I want to do. And obviously I went to OSU for a reason. I had teammates who depended on me. They believed in me. And I got a lot of encouragement from those guys. And that's one of the reasons why I decided to stick it out because like, I felt like I owed it to them as teammates and I wanted to be with them. Uh, shoot, to this day, my knee still hurts. Um, and I'm 31. This, and, and do I think I need surgery? A knee replacement? Nah, that's, that's, that's why I still lift weights. I want to gym. I still run. I still do all kinds of things that the doctor told me I wouldn't be able to do at this age. But, um, no, yeah, I finished out that season. And knowing what was ahead of me with not much playing time, I actually decided to transfer. And so I entered the tra- – well, they call it a transfer portal now. Uh, but back then it was different. You had to graduate first. So I graduated, um, still had a year of eligibility left. I got accepted to grad school at Sacramento State for their grad program. And so I was going to transfer to Sac State. And at the last minute, um, the actual school rejected my transcript. Yeah, which was weird. Nobody knows why. Um, And so that ended my career. (laughs) (laughs) So not it wasn't an athletic thing. It wasn't the coaching staff. It was an academic, no, we don't. For, we don't yeah. want you in grad school here. You, you've been rejected yeah. academically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I, I tried out a few more schools and things just didn't work out. Um, actually, I actually went to a few CFL trials after that. Um, mm-hmm. And those didn't work out, not because of my athletic ability, but because of my injury report. Um, so, I mean, you get a guy who's comes out with two ACL tears, one being pretty recent. You don't want to throw money at that person. So, Mm-hmm. Um, tough pill to swallow, you know. Hindsight is twenty twenty. I wish I would have stuck it out at OSU, but like I said, um, I knew that I couldn't perform at that level mentally or even physically at the time, and so I decided to try to go elsewhere. So, yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's weird how those things work out. But now looking back on it, couple couple last <clears throat> questions for you. In this kind of, I always like to ask sort of a you know a retrospective. You know a lot of things now that you may not have known then, and you see those events in a different light because you see them and how it impacted you, um, what you learned from it, what could have been had things turned out differently. You, you don't know that fully what would have happened at Sac mm-hmm. State. You can kind of guess, but based right. on what actually did happen, when you look back at those moments in your life and all the things that led you to where you are now, we haven't even talked about your family and being married and, and three kids now, so we haven't even touched on that, <laughs> but all, all those factors – what have you learned along the way when you when you see those things differently? Do you see those events differently and in, in how they shaped you? And what have you learned in that process? Yeah, definitely. I, I see the fact that if I, I mean, obviously I would have loved to still continue to play football, but there's a reason why I came back to Reno. There's a reason why I'm in the position that I'm in now. I think that all my steps have been ordered in a way that it was, it was in my control, but it was out of my plan, you know, um, Obviously, I wanted to own a gym five years ago, not knowing that that would happen, especially after I moved to San Diego. But my steps have been have directed me back to Reno. Now I'm living the dream that I wanted. Um, and who knows, you know, that who knows what football would have made me. I probably wouldn't have met my wife. And I wouldn't trade my wife or my three kids for any career at this point. Like, my, that's my world. Um, and so I'm, I'm very thankful that I um, not chose because – I mean, back then I wouldn't have chose this route, but I'm thankful that I'm on the path that I'm on and that that uh, my decisions have brought me to where I'm at. Yeah. So. 
Um, yeah, that's that's pretty great. What what is being a dad like now? Three kids, especially in twenty twenty, and in a gym. That's crazy. <laughs> How has yeah. that been going? Well, the, the gym is like their playground. So they get <laughs> to come into the gym. They get to run around. They get to lift weights, sprint, ride scooters. Um, but it, I love it because I'm showing them a different path than what I was shown. Um, so my dad, all my life, he, he just worked a nine to five. Um, and he's doing great now. And I love my dad and the examples that he set for me, but I get to set a different example for my kids. Um, I have a higher level of education. I have a business that I own. I have employees. I have all kinds of things that I get to teach them at a young age that I didn't learn until I was 30 years old. Um, so they get another, another, um, avenue another area of knowledge to now create their own path when they get the opportunity to do so um so yeah they they enjoy it they love coming to dad's gym everybody knows who they are so yeah that's great uh we were talking before we started recording the jersey you got the 2010 oregon state versus oregon jersey that throwback that i kind of wish they would bring that back they only wore that (laughs) at one game but I'm, I didn't, I just now realizing that you don't just have the orange and black jersey. You've got some gloves that look like they're U of O gloves underneath. Did no, you swap? Never. Oh, no, no, no. Okay. Yeah, it looked no, like the O, your face no. was covering up the SU. <laughs> I just saw the O and it's like, that looks kind of like the Oregon O on the gloves. All right. All right. That makes a lot more yeah. sense. <laughs> Definitely OSU. As much love as I got for a lot of guys who I know that played at U of O, uh, we never <laughs> see me in, unless my son or daughter goes there. You never see me in the in those colors. <laughs> Good. I was worried. I was like, should I even have you on this podcast? No. I don't know, Josh. <laughs> I have to hit stop recording. No, yeah. Um, by the way, how you, you said physically, you feel pretty good. Some knee pain. Last I talked to you, it was a couple of few years removed from your second ACL tear, and you were squatting four oh five at that point. Yeah. I don't know if you max out on squat anymore, but wh- where are you at right now in terms of what you're yeah, able so to do? When when uh, when that doctor told me that. You know, I shouldn't squat below parallel never again. I should never play football. Lateral movement is out of the question. My, I set a goal to squat 500 pounds. Actually, my goal was to squat two times my body weight. So I've, I should pass that. My goal now is to squat 500 pounds. And I, right now I'm at like 460. <laughs> so the goal is to squat 500. And there I'll probably, you know, skip on the bag just to – because it takes a lot of training and a lot of time to get that consistent with that much weight on your back. So, yeah, man, it's it's a uh, – I'll reach it eventually. <laughs> I, I was going to be impressed if you had maintained 405 and you add 60 pounds. Yeah. Goodness. That, that is crazy. Well, good luck to you to get into that big 500. That's going to be, exactly. that's going to be pretty crazy. Uh, that's awesome. Well, so many things that, that we've touched on, so many different areas. We, sh- we should do like every five years, do another podcast with you and Matt. I like and I'll, it. I'll yeah. hit you up again, but thanks <laughs> so much for your career. Yeah, you'll be in some, like, you'll be in the food industry, open up a restaurant right. or something. I, I don't know. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for your time, Josh. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Well, really cool to reconnect with the Legron family. They were one of the most fun articles I got to write for the Barometer. And I wrote there for four years and to do this kind of where are they now article on them several years ago, which Matt said, oh, I still have your article taped up in my office when I texted him five years later to, hey, do you want to come on the podcast and do a similar type of conversation? Well, it was, it was cool to 
to reconnect and then see how life has changed even since then. I mean, they were both where are they now conversations, but the where are they now had changed. And the, well, I want to open a gym to now I have a gym, you know, that sort of thing for, for Josh Legrone in particular. That's pretty cool to, to kind of see how life has changed. Maybe I should, like I was telling him, revisit all these conversations five years from now and get all these people on the podcast again. But whatever the case may be, Really meaningful to see where their lives uh, shape up and, and take place. Hey, real quick, I want to mention a charity, Children's Garden, really fantastic organization over in the Philippines. Uh, organization might even be too big of a word because it's really just two house parents and a couple other staff members who help run this house uh, near Manila. And it's like a dozen kids, maybe 15, depending on the time of year, of uh, kids who are living on the street who can come in and live at the house, get education, and often stay there for years. So the staff really gets to know them and stays in touch with them years after they move on to oftentimes really great things uh, with education and, and all that sort of stuff and, and good resources. So if you want to check out childrensgarden.ph as the website, childrensgarden.ph, and you can support uh, a great endeavor over in the Philippines. Thanks again for tuning into the Beaver Tales podcast. Thanks for Josh Legrone joining me for this edition. Until next time, have a great day, everybody, and go Beavs. Go Beavs.